0: In a short time, you'll start being part of the general partnership pool, and you can point to those deals while you build up your investor base, allowing you to have more street credit, if you will, with those brokers, and giving you the opportunity to really scale your business and scale your real estate career
1: faster. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker. Dot co. forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer: the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, J.P. Albano. How you doing, J.P.?
0: I'm doing wonderful. I'm so excited to be here, Joe.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I'm glad you're doing wonderful. A little bit about J.P., he started in IT sales, found an interest in multifamily investing because he wanted another way to provide for his family. Today, he owns 70 units in Houston, Texas, and 165 units across the metro Atlanta that are currently undergoing repositioning, so we're going to talk to him about that based in Sarenby, Georgia. Did I say that right? You got it, Joe. Sarenby, Georgia. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Absolutely. So background, as you mentioned, has been IT sales got into multifamily as a way of trying to figure out how I can generate I'm doing air quotes but passive income. I'm still waiting for the passivity to kick in. But <laughs> what I didn't realize is number one, how much I would enjoy pursuing multifamily deals and just how incredibly rewarding it is to work in an industry where everybody wants to partner and everyone wants to get things done. Compare that to my sales career, it's a bit of an uphill battle, right? You've got customers that they want to talk to you, competing partners that want to sell competing products. So it's kind of a refreshing place where I can come into it and pick up the phone and call people and kind of welcome the opportunity to partner and grow and build together. So where we are today, we look at assets that are B and C class. vintage. We do the value add kind of like everybody else. We have a different spin on multifamily than most people. We really want to dial up and change the way multifamily is done today by adding up higher levels of customer service and really treating the people that live there with more dignity and respect than they're otherwise getting today. And we've got a whole business model around how we do that. We look for properties that are 250 units in size across a variety of markets here in the South and Southeast.
1: Okay. So up to 250 or 250 plus?
0: 250 plus.
1: Okay. Have you closed on a 250 plus?
0: No. The biggest we've got right now is almost 100 units. Well, uh, we've got 100 units and a 60 unit. So in, in total, that's the 165. But the biggest we have so far is a 96 unit.
1: Okay. Biggest is 96. So why aren't you focused on other 96 units? It's a great question. In order
0: for us to really demonstrate our ethic and our core values for our business here at Significant Lifestyle Communities, to demonstrate that customer service level, we really need to support the staff. And we found that in order to do that, we need properties that generate enough revenue to support the payroll, quote, unquote, burden, and 250 is that sweet spot.
1: Okay. So you've got 70 units in Houston and 165 across the Atlanta area. Yes, sir. What came first? of those two? The
0: Texas properties.
1: Texas properties. Okay. Tell us a story about the Texas properties.
0: So my first, first deal was really more of a, a key principal or a limited partner in a deal. The idea going into that was that I was going to get some experience or at least talking points that I could use to leverage that with brokers and get access to more deals. What I found that is one, it gave me more confidence. But two, it didn't really necessarily lead to more door openings, but maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But my real, real first deal for the best ever listeners here is a 28-unit property in Houston, Texas that me and three other gentlemen, we pulled down, we syndicated. That was our first deal that we really kind of did on our own. And we syndicated the deal on top of that. Talk mm-hmm. about baptism of fire. There's a lot of learning opportunity there and a lot of growth that happened. What really got me excited was the personal development that came from that coming from most people when they're getting into active real estate investing, getting rid of a lot of limiting beliefs. The idea of, quote unquote, asking people for money, right? Instead of looking at it as providing opportunities for people to get great returns, just going through all those sort of things. But it was about a $2 million acquisition price. We raised about $700,000. We got a number of friends and family, about 20, 25 or so. And property is currently undergoing a really successful repositioning. We had some battle with a, a third party property manager that seemed like it was saying all the right things and doing all the right things. The problem was they weren't really delivering. So there was a really good learning opportunity that came out of that.
1: Okay. Please elaborate.
0: Yeah, sure. So we had a property where a business plan was to go in renovate the units, increase the rents, the normal stuff, right? The problem was we weren't getting tenant showings. People weren't biting on the higher rent increases. The renewals were kind of falling through and we had very little visibility into what the current third party PM was doing. We had a portal that we can log in, we can kind of see leads, but they use a different system outside of that to actually nurture the leads. So we couldn't see that. So as far as we could tell, we've got people putting emails in and phone calls in and no one really following up. Then we found ourselves in a funny spot where we tried to move away from them and suddenly realized that. That size property, 28 unit is a funny place. It's not small enough for the single family people to want to care about. And it's not big enough for the bigger real property managers to want to deal with. So we almost were forced to take over property management ourselves, which we ended up doing. So we bought some big boy property management software, which we're moving the rest of our portfolio into. And one of my partners who's local to the deal took over the day-to-day management. And I got to say, it's probably one of the best things we ever did because in a matter of, I want to say, two or three weeks, we got all of our vacant units rented up and we have a waiting list for our property.
1: You said the first deal you did, was it 26 units? Did I write that down correctly? Uh, yeah, this
0: one we're talking about right now was 28 units.
1: 28, sorry, 28 units and you syndicated it. Yes. So how much equity did you raise in the syndication?
0: The total raise was about seven to $800,000 if I remember correctly.
1: Okay. What was the purchase price? It was a two million dollar purchase price.
0: So we also raised money for the capital improvements, and there was okay. an extra above ordinary closing costs.
1: Okay. Do you know about how much the legal fees were to syndicate that?
0: It wasn't that that bad. I want to say it was between eight and twelve ish okay, thousand dollars. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't awful.
1: Okay. Cool. So with that deal. It was you and how many partners?
0: It was four of us total, so three other gentlemen.
1: Okay. And how did you split up your roles and responsibilities? That was a good learning opportunity
0: as well. That one we split up pretty much evenly amongst ourselves. So everyone got 25% from an ownership standpoint. As far as responsibilities go, we didn't really define who would be doing what. We just had the understanding that each of us is going to contribute in whichever way was possible or wherever we need help, that sort of mentality. It worked out fairly well. As time went on, we saw that the property required a lot more care and feeding than we were expecting, simply because we were under the impression that our third-party PM that we were paying money for was going to be managing the property. But the reality was we were working on the property almost every day for the first four to six months.
1: Okay. So that was your first deal. Do you still partner with those same three other people on deals that you're working on now?
0: We are still in communication on other opportunities as they come up. Absolutely, yes.
1: Okay. So what's the last deal you bought?
0: Last deal we bought was, oh, this is an interesting one. This one was in October. It was a 57 unit in Hapeville, Georgia, which is a a city inside of Atlanta. It's basically just north of the airport in Atlanta.
1: Okay. Did you have the same three partners on that one?
0: No, that was a different deal, different opportunity. I partnered on that one with my current business partner, Matt Shields on that one and a few other friends and family. We did not syndicate that one. We just raised money from about eight other people because we bought the, the property for a song.
1: Okay. Got it. So it was a joint venture then?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay. So, so you had a joint venture on that one. So tell us the business plan on that. And, and first off, how'd you find it?
0: That property was interesting. My real estate coach Bill Ham had notified me, knew I lived in the area, and he knew that there was something that I, I and my team could take down. He was at the same time closing. He found himself in a situation where he was closing two properties at the same time. This one would require a lot more work, so he was a little disinterested in it. So his offer was, hey, pay me a finder's fee, and you guys can have the contract. So that's what we did. We call it a unicorn, really. It was original owner for 60 years. You wouldn't even tell this property existed because when you get off the highway to get there, it's down the street of a dead end road. So unless you venture down the street a little bit past the trees, then you're kind of greeted by this oasis of a smorgasbord of different houses. The gentleman that was running it previously was running it as a weekly rental property. Again, for the last 60 years, rents were about $100 a week or $400 a month. And this is in a sub market where a one bedroom apartment was average rents are $915 so we saw an opportunity to increase the rents not necessarily to 400 but somewhere in the 5 to 600 dollar range we had a variety of challenges around not having actual financials this was the definition of mom and pop so things were written on carbon copy paper There were no systems in place. There was very little documentation. So we had to underwrite that with kind of really good finger in the air sort of assumptions on things and being very aggressive with respect to what kind of losses we can expect and things like that. And I can happily say so far, knock on my thick Sicilian head, that things are turning out a lot better than we ever anticipated. There's been a tremendous amount of demand for that type of housing. People have the ability to pay weekly because, frankly, these people are in a financial situation where they just can't manage their money well enough to be able to do monthly rents, right? And they like the area. They like the the job opportunities that are there. So they like being close to Atlanta. We have a waiting list and we haven't even advertised any of the property.
1: With that deal, what's been something that surprised you in a bad way about it?
0: In a bad way? I would say that I guess I didn't recognize or realize that the people that do live there, while I feel like they're trying to do their darnedest best, a lot of them have sordid and troubled histories and backgrounds. I'm not surprised. I think there might be a few registered sex offenders that live there. So as a family man and a father of two children, two girls, I should say, there's that part that doesn't sit super well with me, but at the same time, they are human beings. I'm sure that they have atoned for their sins in the legal system. So that's probably how I would answer that question, Joe.
1: What deal have you lost the most amount of money on?
0: Ooh, these are good questions. So this was a deal that as of last Monday, I should say, that I learned that the deal is dead. It's been dragging on for almost a year now. It was a 300-unit student housing property that, that I was part of the earnest money and due diligence contributor in the GP team. That was my contribution. The team that was running the deal lost the contract. It's through a variety of mishaps, not being able to raise the capital, some shaky business with the, the loan spot with the deal sponsors themselves. It's a story for another day. But yeah, I lost a six-figure amount of money on that deal. Pretty sad.
1: I'm sorry that happened. You know
0: what? The good part about this show is a good story to tell to other people in my community and mm-hmm. other investors, and show yeah. that you know, hey, bad things happen, yeah. and it's okay because you grow from it, you learn from it, you make the best from it, and you try to learn from those things and that's mm-hmm. how I really move on past it honestly it doesn't really bother me anymore it's just more unfortunate it was more of a giant waste of time than anything else mm-hmm. that, that's kind of really the biggest sucky part of it yep. just waste of time for no reason i
1: get that so knowing what you know now if you were presented a similar opportunity somewhere else oh yeah what questions would you ask Now that you know what you went through.
0: You ready? How much of your money, Mr. Deal Sponsor Person, (laughs) or Mrs. Deal Sponsor Person, are you putting in the deal? How much of your skin is in this game? And that was the problem. They didn't have any skin in the game.
1: Got it. So they worked with partners. Those partners did put up the earnest money. They did not. Deal fell out of contract. Partners who put up earnest money lost money. Basically what happened? Exactly. Exactly. Got it. That's a big question to ask. Any other questions because let's say they say, "Oh, well, I'm putting in 50k of my own money." Anything else you would I ask would about Yeah, that?
0: let's also do a personal guarantee on that. I would be comfortable with that. The personal guarantee mm-hmm. and right. also understanding how much they are on the hook for mm-hmm. as well. And I think that it's fair. And maybe even hashing out a a plan, like a go-forward plan. Let's say there's a couple of partners in the deal, right? And JP is being asked to contribute 20 grand or 30 grand for some due diligence stuff, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, what happens if we lose the 20 grand? Is everyone going to contribute $15,000 or some amount of money to help recoup the cost? I think Mm -hmm. that's a fair way of doing it. And just having that conversation about, okay, what happens worst case? Because bills go down. Mm
1: -hmm. It's part of life. Well, let's reverse... The focus, and let's talk about the deal you've made the most money on.
0: That's lining up to actually be this 60-year-old original owner property.
1: Well, let's talk about money in the bank as of this moment. Out of all the deals that you've done, so the most amount of money in the bank you've earned from a deal to date. What is that?
0: That's a hard one to answer because all of the money in the deals coming out of them are anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars. Of distribution mm-hmm. which i'm extremely appreciative universe but it, it <laughs> by hardly is that a number where anyone's going to crash their car or, or hit repeat on their smartphone
1: <laughs> and by crash their car they're crashing it because of excitement Ex- they're, they're staggered they're okay staggered. I, I was I wondering why, why they, <laughs> that's a lot of money okay i'm gonna end it on a high note go find a tree <laughs>
0: Okay, you know, you know the, the, the funny part about it, Joe, is I've been doing this for a number of years and I, I totally recognize this is a long, long haul game. I'm sure you're, you're in the same boat, right? And I'm okay with the very, relatively speaking, uh, small returns right now because I'm building something that's going to be bigger than myself and, and bigger than the partners that I'm working on. And so I, I see that there's a lot of upside and a lot of impact that we can make on the people that we affect and touch in our communities and our investors' lives as we make amazing returns for them. So that's the part I'm more excited about right now. And the financial part will catch up to me later on.
1: On the 96 unit, for example, 500 to 1,000 a month, I assume it's from the 96 unit because that's the largest one, but correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Was there not an acquisition fee? Is there not any, oh, yeah, else? you're right. You're, yeah, you're right. There was actually. So the fee we got was a
0: $30,000 split from that. So you're right. Thank you for prompting my memory on that.
1: Okay. So you got probably like-
0: My portion was 30K. On...
1: Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I, okay. I, it, it... <laughs> Who needs 30K? Yeah, 30K is nothing, right? Uh, I, I'm so good at, at
0: spending money on building this business and scaling out a team that it's already gone.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's talk about, you've got the portfolio and you're focused on finding another acquisition that's twice as large yes, as what you've acquired. And you said at the beginning of our conversation that you pride yourself on higher levels of customer service. Will you elaborate on how you deliver on that with the community level?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. There's a couple of aspects of that. One is really making people feel like they are part of a community. And I know that's like an often thrown around term, community and, and belonging and, and that way. We're building a business where that is a core, core function of our membership coordinators, the people that are greeting the prospective members and the people that want to express interest in living there. So for example, we have our people go out of the way to introduce a prospect to any other members of our community that might share similar interests because you really want to show them that, hey, there are other people just like you that live here as well. Isn't this wonderful? You want to learn about, ask questions about the people that are expressing interest in in living in in that community. And what I found is when I'm doing my secret shopping, going to different uh, apartments, I can count on maybe one hand how many times a leasing agent actually asked my first name or even what brought me in today. The first Mm -hmm. question out of their mouth is usually when can you move in or when do you need the unit by and how many bedrooms? And it almost goes without fail. And so I don't feel that the industry is really delivering on this idea of excellent customer service, especially in the the workforce class housing product where blue collar people, hard workers, they're honestly not used to being treated like if you were a resident at the Ritz-Carlton. I don't know if it has to be that extreme, but that's just the sort of direction that we choose to operate our business on. Was, okay. A, a tremendous
1: so, opportunity there. So a couple questions that the person who greets the prospective resident asks out of the gate, what are some other tactical things <clears throat> that if a best ever listener is listening to this and they want to implement something, what are some tactical things we can do? Very basic questions, greeting them with a smile, standing up
0: and, and you know, maybe instructing your staff to be able to make it clear that they are excited that someone came in and is inquiring about your property. So asking the basic questions, what's your name? greeting them by that name, showing like a warm and caring welcome, ask them what brings them there today, and then easing into the topic rather about what brings you in and and what answers can we provide to you about our community that you want to know about it. Because reality is 80% of a person's decision to move into your property is made when they pull up, right? That's the whole curb appeal thing. The rest of the experience is either going to move the needle further in the direction of yes, or it's going to dissuade them from wanting to live there. So I just see a lot of properties kind of falling short on that. The other part of it too, is really if your leasing agents are, are speaking with a prospect and uh, Mrs. Smith walks by and then in, in your conversation with this prospect, you learn that they like gardening or they like dogs or whatever, right? Have instruct your leasing agent to go out of the way and introduce Mrs. Smith to this new prospect. Hey, Mrs. Smith, I want you to introduce you to JP or JP here loves gardening. And what that shows you is it shows the, the prospect that, Hey, this is a community that I can fit in. I can get plugged in right away and really have a sense of belonging. Because I think that's what's missing in multifamily housing today.
1: Once they are in the door and they say, oh, I'd love to rent, and they do rent, do you have anything within your system that delivers on that customer service aspect that may be outside of it? Or when you were talking about it, was it really – were you really thinking about that initial – Interaction and impression with them. Yeah,
0: the initial interaction and impression okay. is, is the biggest part because th- they're really just not going to get that anywhere else. At least, not that I have experienced thus far.
1: Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what's your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: If you're early in your, we'll call it active investing or real estate investing career, you really need to show that you can close deals with brokers to win deals. It's a very competitive market. So, you've got two options, in my opinion. Either buy a small property and you grow bigger over time. Eventually you'll gain credibility and the experience to show that you can close deals and incrementally growing the unit size and unit count a bit at a time. Alternatively, option two is you partner with a more experienced person or your group. Maybe you seek to add value in some way, offer to help raise capital by introducing your friends and family to them so they can start to build a relationship with those deal sponsors. I guess in a short time you'll start being part of the general partnership pool and you can point to those deals while you build up your investor base Allowing you to have more street credit, if you will, with those brokers and giving you the opportunity to really scale your business and scale your real estate career a lot faster.
1: We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Bring it. All right, let's do it. First quick word from our best ever partners. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. The Invest This Podcast interviews the elite in real estate investment to uncover the secrets to building an empire in every aspect of real estate investment. Visit investthispodcast.com. That's dot com for the top 10 real estate books to build your empire and to learn more. What's the best ever resource that you use in your business that you couldn't live without? Neighborhood Scout. What do you use it for? Neighborhood research? <laughs> as soon as I've asked that quite a, oh, that's a dumb follow-up question, but will you elaborate a little bit? Glad to.
0: So Neighborhood Scout is a great first pass tool to use to help get a sense of what a neighborhood or a market looks like where a property is located without physically being there, especially if it's a market that you're unfamiliar with. It's a great way to get a sense of what the crime rate looks like, what the schools look like, what the income all the basic things that you want to know before you make a decision if it's worth to go physically there and visit uh, a property
1: best ever book you've recently read
0: becoming supernatural by dr joe dispenza
1: what's the best ever way you like to give back to your community
0: So I'm an accountability coach with the Jake and Gino group. I enjoy helping students. I'm super passionate about real estate and also growth and personal development. So I like helping get them into the game. I also really enjoy pointing people in hopeful directions around health-related issues as I'm very passionate about biohacking and health and fitness.
1: How can the best of our listeners learn more about what you're doing?
0: Check me out on uh, jpalbano.com. That's J-P-A-L-B-A-N-O.com.
1: JP, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about how you've built your portfolio, how you've partnered with others, some lessons learned on that 300 student housing project for what to do, questions to ask, and then just your overall approach to business. So thank you for being on the show. Hope you have the best of your day. Talk to you again soon.
0: Thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate you.